I'm George Comedy, and you're listening to First Watch. Welcome to the second episode from our series recorded live at RSA 2022. Today, I'm talking with Katie Hannon, Vice President of Cybersecurity Strategy at IT Savvy. She brings years of experience in just about every part of cyber, the vendor side, customer side, practitioner, and more. And she's everywhere as a regular participant in cyber discussions on Clubhouse, to podcasts, and panels. In fact, I have a working hypothesis that Katie can bend space-time, but I'll let you decide. Let's get into it with Katie Hannahan. Katie Hannahan, welcome to First Watch. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of incredible to be sitting across from people that you talk to either on LinkedIn or on Clubhouse. So very happy to have you here uh, while we're at RSA. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, having spent so much time hearing your voice, seeing your <laughs> avatar. I know you're a real person now. Yes. And I think we both look pretty similar to our pictures. Yeah, which is... yes. Versimilitude <laughs> is, is important. <laughs> um, great. Well, I, I wanted to start with um the subject of education in cyber um it's it's big it's been the type the cyber talent shortage has been talked about a lot here um but i i want to reflect on what you have learned as a leader so if you could go back to your younger self or imagine uh, people who are just coming up into the field, what are the things that you would counsel them on? Like, you know, certifications are one thing, but internships are another, practical experience. Where do you want them to start as, you know, the, the top? Because I think a lot of people, I see it, my LinkedIn feed is people like, oh, I want to get into cyber, which boot camp should I go to? Which, and, you know, they're all trying to kind of decide in a, a vacuum or using Google. And they don't have the benefit of asking somebody who's in there, like, where should I start? Yeah, and the good news is you can start in any of those places. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the thing. If somebody has the desire uh, to really get into the industry, they can do some simple things like, um, you know, uh, going to a local chapter for an ISSA meeting, mm-hmm. um, hear people who are in the industry talk about their own practical experience, network with the people that are attending that event. And then from there, you can jump into, you know, uh, there, are, there are lots of internships, really nicely paid internships that are available for you know college students, and they don't need to have a cybersecurity degree um, coming out of college. I mean, we have um, all types of interns that have come into the startups that I work mm-hmm. with. Um, me, I, I have a military history degree, so um, I really <laughs> right. I'd like to encourage people to not feel like there's anything holding them back. It's the the only thing that will hold them back is themselves and and not leaning into the opportunities that do exist um, and and reaching out, listening to podcasts like yours, you know, mm-hmm. today uh, to get some practical advice about where someone you know can go at each stage of their career. But that's where if somebody's just wondering if they they're thinking, I don't know if I want to be an engineer, or I don't know, mm-hmm. I don't know if I want to be in. Uh, data privacy or or be an email nerd like me you know <laughs> like um, they can they can start to decide that when they you know can expose themselves to those networking opportunities and those local chapter events are a great way there um, I think it's it's very inexpensive to join ISSA and I mm-hmm. believe that they have a program for students that makes it almost I mean it's like a cup of coffee right. uh, especially now with uh, with inflation it definitely right. it's the price of a cup of coffee you can <laughs> get into because everyone wants to encourage um, students and, and younger folks to get into the industry so yeah 
that's good. And then in terms of that, like that next step in terms of, you know, cause you and I were talking before this and there's no shortage of education and yet we seem to still have a, either a bottle. I can't decide if it's a bottleneck or an obstacle. There's some thing where it's not translating into rapid job placement or job filling. Um, is that the place to look for internships or shadowing or like how do you I don't know what's your advice there well I think that um, before we go into what someone should do if they're in that position I think it's important to um, you know speak to any you know leaders as well to mm-hmm. say um, there's often a check mark that they think they need to have um, and that needs to be that that needs uh-huh. to be shifted a little bit too I mean I personally have had experiences where Someone said, "Well, you have all of these things. However, you haven't, you know, managed a team of eight or more before, or something." And mm-hmm. I thought, "Really? With all of this experience?" So there, that's sometimes a bottleneck, um, particularly for people who, um, you know, for me, women uh, in the industry who have been underrepresented. So there are less of us who have all of those right. check marks, just by virtue of the fact that 18 years ago I wasn't being offered the same um, promotional opportunities. Mm-hmm. Have I been super successful? Absolutely. And we'll get into that, I think, a little bit more on the Mm -hmm. podcast and and how people can be successful in their career. But I I wanted to mention that piece because I think it's really important for leaders to understand that if you want to make up that deficit, there's got to be some give and take there as well. And I think that any candidate going into an interview should have that confidence to know that that leader should be doing that. And, mm-hmm. and by the way, when I got my first startup job um, at the email security company the, the in, you know, based in San Mateo, California, it was um, you know it was somebody who said, oh, you've never worked in a startup before, but look at all of this interesting experience that you have. I, w- I would love to hire you. And it, it turned out to be a really successful you know, relationship there. And I think they were very, very happy that they didn't expect me to have every single check check mark. Yeah, I think in general, this is probably true of all departments, but maybe cyber in particular, um, we have to be very intentional when we work with HR. You can't be really passive and say, like, I have this open rec for this, this, and this, and then HR goes into their spreadsheet and they're like, this is the past job description we used for that open rec. And they're, you know, because there's a disconnect between I need, you're not bringing me quality candidates. And then if you look at the job application, you all need like two to three years experience for SOC one and, you know, right. Yeah. Or technology that only existed a year ago. Right. Not fair. (laughs) Yes. Yes. You, I need you to time travel, acquire a bunch of experience (laughs) and and come back. Um, so that's, that actually is a really good transition into the next question about education which is the continuing education for cybersecurity leaders. So you you work with an SI, so you're working, you know, client side and how are you seeing are you seeing any trends I guess as to like what those leaders um, either by dint of their own volition or you see a need have to go learn after these last two very traumatic years and and transformational years, even though it wasn't an intentional transformation. No, I think it's a it's a great question, um, and there are a couple of different ways I'm going to answer that. Um, from my perspective as an SI, I go out and need to understand um, the um, you know emerging technology trends. Um, 
to be able to integrate, to be able mm-hmm. to um, really offer full solutions that solve for clients, mm-hmm. you know, problems and business uh, business uh, need. Um, when it comes to continuing education for a practitioner in the mm-hmm. space, or and you know, in a cybersecurity executive in the space, um, where I get a lot of that information for myself and where I steer people uh, when they ask me, "How do you know these things?" Um, you know, obviously leveraging uh, Gartner, mm-hmm. um, attending the you know ISAC that's mm-hmm. uh, for your particular vertical. I mean, the FS ISAC, the mm-hmm. healthcare ISAC, the aviation ISAC, even the um, MSISAC for for government, um, just wonderful organizations where they bring in the leaders from you know all of all over the world to share their insights, and it's very collaborative. Um, and um, and so if somebody's really you know at a point in their career where they're thinking, okay, I want to go into leadership, I would like to go into leadership in um, you know a, a compliance. I keep talking about compliance today, but could, it could be anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could be um, authentication. They want to mm-hmm. go. They decided they want to be the the authentication person for the consumer side of a big company mm-hmm. and make sure that the applications are all um, secure for their clients. That's a really big job. It's super interesting. Yeah. Um, those are the kind of things, though, when people attend these events and they can hear how somebody was able to navigate that for their career. Whether it's an origin story, uh, which which occur at the at the ISAC events more naturally, I think in the networking piece, but um, people you know do have those types of tracks where they're talking about you know this is the way that we developed you know very you know clinically they'll even dig into this is how we did it in our company and they're willing to share that information even with their competitors. Technically, I'm doing the air quotes uh, mm-hmm. on a podcast, <laughs> so I need to say that out loud. Um, but the you know their competitors um, uh, don't consider themselves competitors. They're really all in it together. You know at these events and that's why I, I promote the ISACs more than anything. Okay, great, yeah. Because they're so yeah, we Yeah, we work closely with uh, HISAC. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I have found the atmosphere at ISACs also to be uh, humble in the best way, which is uh, we're not all experts. I've come to learn from my peers who may have maybe my company is slower to zero trust or um, implementing SSO but I need to hear from you know these people who just went through a lot of growing pains in that transformation and maybe I can avoid some of the same landmines or things like that well exactly you know and uh, not only that but um you know, really understanding to where the priorities are, um, the the pain points. Mm-hmm. You know, the type of. Um, you, I mean, you asked me a little bit earlier too what what we're seeing. You know, one of the pain points that has come out for me is in conversation is around cybersecurity insurance, and yeah. I think it was really important that people started sharing when their renewals were coming up, mm-hmm. and then realizing that hey, wait, first of all, it's much more expensive yes. um, with the increase in ransomware. Okay, got it. And then also the clauses that the you know companies now are putting in about nation state actors and if it's that you know and 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 non ransomware payments anymore and things that that people weren't aware of and so it was really important that people had you know not just a, a 30-day window to, to revamp their um, you know cybersecurity insurance but they were able to share with each other you know maybe they give themselves eight months to figure out what they're gonna do <laughs> yes. next yeah those agree those agreements are um they're worth investigating. Yes, they take time. So if you you know you need if you can give yourself some runway by you know 
being collaborative with your peers. That's a great way. And you know, again, back to the education piece. Um, you know, that's the. I think anyone mid-career um, is going to get most of their information not from certifications, but from their peers. Yeah, and I think um, that ties into something we touched on again uh, before we started recording. Um, you were here on our vision and voice panel, and after that discussion, we had discussed. Uh, you know, the virtue of specialization, but maybe to a fault. So I'm thinking about um, RSA's theme this year is transform. We've gone through a lot of transformation, uh, not so much intentional. And then we had this other topic about uh, recession proofing your career or even your business. But I wanted to give you time to tell that story about you know, the value or, or the pitfalls of that hyper-specialization. Yeah, I mean, in, in starting my career uh, working for, uh, with with the DOD, not not as a, D, they were my client, um, uh, commercial off-the-shelf um, type things with the DOD. Uh, my company held uh, uh, contracts for, um, you know, things like uh, rugged laptops, mm -hmm. um, those, those types of contracts. Um, but doing that at the beginning of my career um, was really important for me to lay the foundation to really understand how, what is a network? I mean, again, mm -hmm. coming out of college with the military history, degree I needed to understand how things actually all fit together so as we're you know working on something a 7u you know what they used to call a LAN in a can we mm -hmm. would send a forward operating oh, uh -huh. places and um, Afghanistan and, and, and Iraq. It, but it's funny to think now, um, you, you know, everything's just in the cloud. I mean, it's just right. so funny to think that that's how old I am. I Now I just dated myself, I think, a little bit. So I've been doing this for 18 years, but having had that experience to really understand what that means, what does that mean to, to and how is that connected? Um, why do you need a, a fan or not a fan in, a, in the back of it to, mm -hmm. does it really get that hot? You know, <laughs> like things like that where just understanding some of the basic fundamentals of how things, uh, how things work um, taking apart a computer you know and understanding what a thin client computer is versus you know those little mm -hmm. things that just I didn't know those things but you know working for um, a company where you're um, you know, working with all kinds of technology, you can decide what you like the best. I ended up really leaning into video telecom. I thought it was pretty cool. Mm. I thought that um, You're somewhat prescient there <laughs> in terms it, of video. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was um, back then too. It wasn't pretty. If you look at where even uh, George Bush on 9/11, and you see the the CRT monitors mm. that were like eight inches, yeah. you know, and that was cutting edge technology back then. Um, but then as that was developing and that's how I ended up really leaning into the security space at all. Um, but with that experience very early on in my career, I was able to get a foundation. Um, but I don't think it's terrible to get super specialized for some bits of your career either. Mm -hmm. You know, for me, I did end up, you know, um, really focusing on, you know, the video telecom piece when I was in the, the integrator space. I worked for uh, another company where we were working on the telemedicine carts uh, for the VA. Mm -hmm. um, again, before telemedicine was even really a thing. Um, and then moving into then email uh, for a little bit. It, it was okay for me to really get to understand what an SPF and a DKIM and a DMARC record is and how that impacts deliverability and then really understand how that impacts a business, mm -hmm. both on a consumer and internal side. Um, I think it... It, it, if you don't know everything about everything, that's, that's okay. But being specialized in a couple of things, I think, always helps you understand the overall business objectives as well and where things fit into the overall stack for any client that I'm working with. Or 
I mean, as a practitioner myself now as a VC, so, uh, you know, building my own security program, understanding where to stack rank those things, what things are actually, do they work or not? You know, having some of that specialization mm -hmm. isn't a terrible thing, but, um, but yeah, I, I, that is the path that I, I had taken, and now I'm back at, a, at an integrator again. Well, I, th I think also specialization teaches, it trains your brain, right? It's a muscle mm. memory to drill very deeply into something and be able to clearly articulate its value to a business or its, uh, the risk that it presents. So, I mean, ideally, if you've built that uh, musculature up and somebody asks you to go study something else... You can quickly, you can more quickly get to those things. hundred uh, percent. Yeah. So I want to turn away uh, for a second from uh, this topic and just address the fact that, and I was talking with Russell Eubanks after our interview, it would appear, Katie, that you can bend space time because I swear you squeeze like 36 hours <laughs> worth of stuff into the day between no doubt your busy day, uh, your moderation of the fireside chat on Clubhouse. So just, I don't want to ask the question, how do you do it all? Because that's an annoying question. But I, I guess I want to ask how you think about those activities as they relate to either your own career development or just the value that they bring uh, t to you in the day. Yeah, and so in, in spending time in the collaboration spaces mm -hmm. that I, I spend time in, well, first of all, I love this industry. Mm -hmm. So it's not work for me. Great, great answer. It's the truth. Uh, so when I spend time, particularly on the fireside chat, where we're focused on someone's story, I love stories. I want to know their story. Mm -hmm. um, do I learn something every time? Yes, I do. And um, sometimes is it cybersecurity related? Sure. You know, I mean, that's the we're talking to people in our space. And and what I've loved about that particular um, fireside chat uh, is that we've found that every story is unique mm -hmm. and um, so any any time that I think out of the last couple of years and spending time in those spaces for me personally I don't have nearly as much imposter syndrome as I might have had because um, oh, I realized that's interesting. yeah my story you know everyone thinks oh my story is maybe I'm thinking oh it's, it's, it's harder it's it's you know I'm a single mom mm -hmm. and you know, I, I don't all you know always want to say like, yeah. Sometimes that's really hard, but understand there are a lot of people out there with all kinds of ways that they've fallen fast and forward, mm -hmm. and um, have gotten back up and have been super successful in this industry. It's been it's been helpful for me personally, um, but uh, yeah, you know, I just I, I do love collaboration in general about something that I love to do. I love to 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 talk to people, and I and I love this industry. I think the thing that stands out to me the most from the fireside chat in particular is how many stories uh, start with I got into cyber by accident yeah, <laughs> it's like, mine. <laughs> yeah it's like uh, you know Angela Brown was at a genius bar and you know just the kindness of strangers somebody was like I think you would be you know, interested in cybersecurity, directs them there. I mean, it just, there, there's interesting generational divide. I think some of us who are, have been around long enough to remember when, you know, the internet was a lot of hardware and the cloud wasn't a thing, that there was maybe these themes or these archetypes of like, 
the tinkerers and then the company is transitioning into an IT phase and they're like, hey, you look like you know a lot about computer, you know, and you just sort of accidentally fall into that. And then now there's a younger generation that may not have grown up with tinkering, but there's, I don't know, there's going to be like different archetypes depending on like how they came into the industry. But the commonality is that no one's like, you know, in sixth grade, I knew I wanted to be a SOC analyst, <laughs> <laughs> like is clear line trajectory into cybersecurity. Yeah, it's funny you say that, though, too, because um, I talked to somebody I mentioned on the panel um, just now last night, and she's a year in, um, but she was a, a preschool teacher, mm-hmm. and she had a friend who was in the space. Um, so now she's doing cybersecurity staffing. Oh, um, but one of the, the reasons that she likes it and what her next trajectory is going to be um, and what she's figured out by doing staffing and understanding all the different jobs that exist within the, um, the cybersecurity space, she really wants to now take her passion for education, which she had as a preschool mm-hmm. teacher, um, and bring that to the cybersecurity space. And I mean, good for her. That's right? awesome. I know. That's actually a really good way to start is to understand all the different roles. Mm-hmm. I thought so, too. Yeah. yeah, I thought so, too. Actually, I, it was, I think it's really important. We were talking again, I, I keep kind of bouncing around a little bit. Sorry, maybe I'm not the best uh, podcast uh, guest here, but um, one of the things that I, I love about um, all the collaboration is that you know we can um, find people that we would normally not have met oh yeah um, you know yeah. and I think that um, you know hearing her story uh, it was really inspiring to me um, and because and I think it's a story that I can re- retell uh, to other people who are thinking about getting back into the or getting into the industry mm-hmm. kind of I'm going way back to one of your earlier questions I think it's such a great question and you're, you're not wrong about people thinking oh maybe I can't do that um, and I just uh, you know going from preschool teacher to staffing organization to you know to, to having a desire to be an educator in the cybersecurity space is a really cool story yeah I don't know why we are conditioned to think or uh, that everything is like this linear path because yeah. it's very much the path looks much more like the family circus it's like it loops back around <laughs> or goes backwards or 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 what have you um, but I, I take your point about community also we couldn't you know, for two years, no one was going to conferences. And I think that's what's interesting is I may not have met, I may not have run into you at, at RSA in two years past. Cause like the circles within the circles are extremely interesting. And then, mm-hmm. you know, we were, you were on that panel with, um, Tazin Khan and, and then, I know Tomas through Clubhouse. He came to see. I learned that Taz used to sell to him. So they've and I was like, I've met these two people completely separately. And the the thing that I keep coming back to is it does feel like a community. I don't know. Cyber gets a maybe a bad rap as being elitist, but people are very vulnerable and they'll share their stories. And you just gotta give them that that time, and that space. Um, I don't know that there's a question there, but it was just well, a reflection. I, I mean, I'll even I'll echo. I mean, so my friend Rico came to the event mm-hmm. today to be supportive of me because um, I had not presented in person in two oh, years. That's right. <laughs> uh, I, and I started pr- my first speaking engagement was maybe 2016, 2017. So I only had a couple of years under my belt before the and pandemic. Then, and, and then wipe the slate clean. Kind of, it's it wasn't like riding a bike, you know. And so I was like, I was nervous about it, but. It He's, you know, I would consider him and his family are friends of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can really, um, when you're in the trenches together in this industry, you do develop those kind of, those really strong bonds, though. Yeah, I would say to anyone who is listening and fearful of 
that uh what do you want to say that veneer of elitism like oh i don't know how to code very well or just learning python i'd say who cares right because 100 percent. yeah so i mean there are people who are are going to try and uh, and box you out but katie and i are here to tell you <laughs> that uh, there are more of us willing to bring you in also because we desperately need you so 100 <laughs> percent. um cool so uh, now going back to business here towards the end um and working uh, at an SI and thinking about how your um, clients are thinking about cybersecurity, I'm curious to know, are they coming to, to your organization, IT Savvy, with, you know, alarm bells around the latest headline? Um, do you have to, you know, dial back some of the... I'm interested in those companies rely on SIs to do a lot of the like tell me what's important please translate the mm-hmm. the madness in the news does you know is is Conti coming after my organization and so like what is that that relationship like if you could speak to that translation well yeah this is a, this is a good one um, because um, we're here at RSA People walk, uh, you know, walk through the the expo floor, um, and the you know usually people say things like that was very overstimulating or very <laughs> overwhelming, <laughs> um, and it isn't, and that's just a, a physical manifestation of what the you know intake is every morning when somebody's trying to figure out what they need to do for their organization. So um, you know, one of the most you know, it's not a it's not a fun, sexy thing to say, but one of the things that I talk to these clients most about is say, okay, we need to just calm down uh, for a minute because um, let's talk about some basic hygiene things that you can do. There are some some things that you can do around you know zero trust, you know, architecture, um, email, of course. Yes, email's having a moment. You like come full circle. I mean, really, it's ninety one percent, I think, uh, yeah. you know, of all, uh, and then uh, from an authentication standpoint too, the password thing, uh, you know, uh, as a, I think it's somehow they can say 92% is a result of a password, but it's mostly someone sent an email and then someone reset a password. And that's why, um, but um, yeah, those things are really important when somebody understands that the individual is actually the new perimeter. Um, there is a lot of education there of just saying, well, what you know, what is this zero trust thing? What does that mean? How susceptible am I, you know, to ransomware? Well, here's how. Here's your risk score uh, based on a set of criteria that we would, you know, have a conversation around. And generally speaking, it's some of those basic hygiene things that are going to take their risk score you know, and improve it tremendously. Yeah, I mean, it strikes me that. That um, Stoic philosophy is very uh, important for cybersecurity, right? Because Stoic philosophy focuses on the things that are in your control um, versus the things that are not. And so it's really easy to get spun up about either the acronyms, Katie, I keep hearing about NDR or XDR or whatever. And then, you know, client A may have you know, PII or HIPAA stuff flowing through networks versus client B doesn't have any of that. So like, why would you think that the same frameworks, the same solutions would apply? It's like, no, no, you don't, you don't have to worry about that. Cause, you know, you don't have actual like on-prem servers or, or whatever, but yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a really good point. I, I don't, um, I don't envy that constant uh, conversation, but I think it's important because it's it's easy to get um, spun up about these things. 
Yeah, and I and again, I enjoy it. Um, you know, I enjoy having the doing the research, and I, mm-hmm. I enjoy helping people. I truly, I, I don't know if I've mentioned it before. I was an aid worker before I even went to college. So, oh no, that's a, that's a great part of your origin story. And <laughs> yeah, in, in Pakistan, and uh, and it was a you know a, a experience in working with refugees, and, and you know, and that is something that you do so young in your life. Um, if you can then find a career where you're able to still continue to help people. Um, this industry also has a ton of philanthropic uh, yeah. pieces to it. Um, so I think, yeah, I think if you're, if you're in cyber, cause you're like, I want to make a ton of money. Yeah. I mean, you'll last a certain distance, but I, I have found at least consistently the people I talk to, there is some sense of mission uh, as cliche as that can be. Otherwise you wouldn't, you wouldn't join the part of the company that is constantly facing risk or being asked to take on more responsibility if you didn't feel some part of that. Yeah, exactly. And again, you said at the beginning when people are saying, "I want to get into cybersecurity," the you know the concern I have is, I, and I want to know if I want to guide, if I'm going to guide them, why? And mm-hmm. if it's because they heard there's a lot of cybersecurity jobs and there's a lot of money in it, I, I usually would probably make sure that they you know have all of those other attributes. Do they mm-hmm. love solving puzzles? Do they do they have a, a sense of integrity? That's something you need when you're dealing with sensitive data. If you yeah. don't, then you're going to be in trouble and you're going to be in the wrong <laughs> wrong place and in, in the wrong set of data. And you're going to, you know, you could even go to jail. You know, those are really important things to have. And so you're, I 100% agree with you that it's it's got to be a broader mission or people will burn out. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Katie, has been an absolute pleasure. I'm glad we got to meet in person. Your dance card is very full, I'm sure. So I thank you for your time. Well, thank you. This has been a pleasure. That's it for First Watch today. And a big thanks to my special guest, Katie Hannigan. First Watch is a production of Safeguard Cyber. It's edited by Kai Krogetti with original music by Matthias Cefaletti. Subscribe to First Watch wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Until next time, stay safe, stay strong. Stay strong.